Governance, Operations, Investments, Compliance. These are the four pillars of risk that defined contribution plan sponsors need to stay up on. Every quarter, we're gonna be giving you the scoop, the skinny, the lowdown on all the latest developments in the field, everything you need to know to stay current and informed. We're gonna be talking regulatory issues, best practices, investment strategies, all of it, about what it all means and more important, what it means to you. So put on your swimsuit, we're gonna be doing some deep dives. Welcome to the Retirement Plans Insider from Siegel. Hi, my name is Rick Reed and I'm the Defined Contribution Practice Director at Siegel. Today, our topic of discussion is about the importance of plan governance and meeting the necessary fiduciary standards when sponsoring a defined contribution plan for your employees, such as a 401k or a 403b plan. Today, Jared Wilson is joining me for this discussion. Jared is the Vice President and a Consulting Actuary in Siegel's New York office with over 24 years of consulting experience. Uh, he has specialized expertise in a wide range of employee benefit services for both defined benefit and defined contribution plans, including non-discrimination testing, plan design, actuarial analysis, and funding and de-risking strategies. Hi, Jared, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Hi, Rick. Uh, thanks for inviting me to join today's discussion. Sure. Um, I guess to kick things off, would you please uh, share with us and the audience an overview of the general DC marketplace and why governance is so important for DC's plan sponsors? Sure. Um, you know, I think that really the biggest uh, issue today is that we've seen so many lawsuits that have been brought by participants in recent years, and it's just really highlighted why for plan sponsors, maintaining a well-run defined contribution plan uh, can be a significant challenge, and it requires continuous oversight to avoid some of these costly mistakes that we've seen. Um, and it's it's imperative for plan fiduciaries and trustees to, to regularly review fiduciary best practices and, and ensure that pop, proper plan governance and oversight is in place. Okay, uh, also, can you give us an overview of maybe a sponsor's fiduciary responsibilities and why they're important. For example, like what are some of the basic standards of con conduct that must they must follow? So ERISA has several basic standards that are expected uh, and in fact required of, of plan fiduciaries. Um, and and we, we tend to think of these in four separate categories. Uh, we have the prudent person rule, which states that a fiduciary must perform his or her duties with the care, skill, discretion and diligence that a prudent person acting in a similar capacity would use. Um, think of the most practical, sensible and, and cautious person that you know and, and ask yourself, what would they do in this situation? Then we have the exclusive benefit rule, um, which states that a fiduciary must perform his or her duties solely in the interest of the plan's participants and beneficiaries. This includes both the providing of benefits as well as the paying of any and all reasonable expenses necessary to administer the plan. Um, in this specific capacity, you should essentially be telling yourself, I work for the participant. The investment diversification rule uh, is another rule that fiduciaries must follow, and this ensures that the plan's investment menu provides a variety of options to participants uh, with a key goal of reducing the risk of significant investment losses. Each investment option under the plan must be considered prudent. Uh, and this was a large factor in the recent case of Hughes versus Northwestern. Um, in this decision, this, the Supreme Court ruled 
that it is not acceptable to have underperforming investment options in the plan just because you also have well-performing funds. Having a prudent option uh, does not mean you continue to you can continue to also have imprudent options. And finally, we have the plan document rule, which simply states that the plan must be administered in accordance with the terms of the plan. Um, and it's very important, especially for new fiduciaries, to review all plan related documents and ensure that the terms of the plan are both clearly understood um, and that any gray areas uh, are carefully reviewed with plan counsel. Uh, we've seen far too many examples of plan sponsors administering a plan in a way that does not exactly align with the provisions of the plan. Uh, examples include uh, using in incorrect definitions of compensation or, or not properly administrating required minimum distribution payments. Uh, in many instances, um, these operational defects can be self-corrected with minimal fees, but for other higher-end errors, uh, there could be violence with the Department of Labor and additional penalties and fees that would apply. Okay, well, uh, that, that sure makes a lot of sense. So you've outlined, you know, the rules or the standards of conduct for a fiduciary. How does actually someone actually become a fiduciary? Well, that's the thing is that it can be a lot easier than people might think um, because, you know, we, we've seen situations over the years where uh, an employee was considered a plan fiduciary and didn't even, didn't even realize it. Um, you know, people tend to think of a fiduciary, uh, a common example of a fiduciary, I guess I would say, is somebody that provides investment advice for a fee. And that's certainly one example. But in reality, any person that has any type of discretionary authority, control or responsibility over the management uh, and administration of a plan is considered a fiduciary. Um, basically, if you are acting like a fiduciary, you are a fiduciary. Um, there does not necessarily need to be a formal resolution in place that names you as a fiduciary. If you act like a fiduciary, you are a fiduciary. So can a fiduciary actually be, be held personally liable in the event of a plan defect? Yes, they can. Um, and, you know, there are, are several penalties that can be assessed to an individual, some of which may be covered by the employer, but that is not always the case. Um, and, and these include both, you know, monetary penalties um, and for, for more serious infractions could also include imprisonment. Uh, we, you know, we certainly don't see that very often, but I think the key takeaway is that, yes, people uh, can be held personally liable um, in the event of a plan defect. Well, are there actually are there some steps that an employer can do, such as with insurance protections to cover their fiduciaries to, uh, you know, give them a certain comfort comfort level of their of their actions? Yes, there are. And, and, and certainly in most cases, um, any type of individual um, liability risk uh, can be covered by the employer. You know, employers will typically protect uh, individual fiduciaries with some sort of liability insurance. Um, there'll be a fidelity bond in place uh, that will protect the plan's assets while the fiduciary liability insurance really does protect the individual. Um, and if, as an example, a fidelity bond will generally cover up to 10% of the plan's assets, um, up to a cap, which may be a half a million dollars in some cases, or, or even uh, uh, $1 million in some other situations. So Jared, um, one of the areas of your specialization that we've talked about uh, in the past is risk consulting. Can you also share with us your views of risk consulting and how proper plan governance can help mitigate risk with defined contribution plans? Sure, you know, there, there are several components of risk, um, both financial risk, uh, operational risk. Um, all these types of risks are in play when it comes to sponsoring a defined contribution plan. 
for this reason, it's, it's vital for a plan sponsor to, to implement a sound fiduciary governance framework, um, which will help ensure that the plan maintains best practices uh, and complies with required legislation and regulations um, and passes all required compliance testing. Um, so, you know, the key is to balance the inherent risks that come with administering a plan while also meeting the company's goal of attracting and retaining talent with a meaningful retirement benefit. Um, too many times we see plan sponsors encounter unintended consequences from their decisions, uh, which could be avoided with a sound framework in place. For example, a plan may be amended for a specific business reason. Uh, let's say as an example, to remove a division of employees from receiving an employer contribution. And while the business criteria for this decision may be sound, uh, plan sponsors may not realize that such a change could put the plan at risk of failing, failing certain compliance testing. Uh, and these tests are required to be satisfied in order to maintain your tax qualified status. So how can um, our, how can clients implement the necessary governance that you're talking about into their existing oversight responsibilities? So first and foremost, um, we recommend strongly uh, establishing a plan committee and with such committee having regularly scheduled meetings throughout the year. We typically recommend quarterly, um, but at a minimum, we would say committees should meet at least twice a year. Each committee meeting should include a review of various fiduciary topics such as investment performance, plan administration performance, um, and current legislative and regulatory updates. These are staples that should be discussed at each meeting. And then also at each meeting, we would suggest a deeper review of, of a specific topic, let's say, at, at each meeting. So, you know, one example of, of a typical uh, schedule of, of meetings that we, we see is that in the first quarter of the year, in addition to the staples that we just mentioned, you might conduct annual fiduciary training to make sure all fiduciaries are, are up to date on what their exact responsibilities are. Um, and then in the second quarter, Maybe we double click on an annual review of the investment policy statement and, and ensure that the investment lineup um, is satisfying all of um, the criteria that it should be. Uh, in the third quarter, we might look at the record keeper services and see how those are being performed and, and maybe do some benchmarking, et cetera. Um, and then in Q4, uh, we would look at, for example, the, the fees that are currently being paid by participants and we could do some benchmarking there as well look at the plan design and, and you know, take a look at how the plan compares to, to one's peers. For all of these meetings, uh, for, formal minutes should be recorded. Um, and you know, this not only documents the discussion, but in particular for important plan decisions that are being made, um, it includes uh, a record that those decisions have been made and, and includes any backup materials that were presented during the meeting that supported the decision that was made by the committee. Uh, it's also very important to have a plan charter, which provides uh, formal documentation of each committee member's responsibilities and outlines the procedures that must be followed to administer the plan. Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, it's important to maintain uh, the appropriate level of insurance coverage. And we talked about that a little bit already, but uh, that's extremely important to protect both the participants and fiduciaries. Um, and this includes a fidelity bond, fiduciary liability insurance, uh, and cyber liability insurance. So Jared, when advising your clients, do you have a formula or a structure that you recommend they follow? So there's four key pillars of risk that all plan sponsors should address. Um, governance, investments, operations, and compliance. 
The focus of today's discussion uh, has been around plan governance. Um, there's certainly a lot of overlap though amongst all of the pillars. Um, specifically related to plan governance, the key areas of focus are to, one, uh, ensure that the fiduciary standards of conduct are being followed. Two, recognize who is a plan fiduciary and what their roles are. Um, and just as importantly, recognize what the key non-fiduciary roles are. Um, three, we should reinforce um, all of these responsibilities with proper training. And then four, ensure that all of the above is properly documented. Uh, documentation really cannot be overstated enough. Uh, and we would say in, in, in many situations, if an error is made, but there's proper documentation in place about the process that was followed to make a certain decision, even if that decision results in an error, um, the penalties are far less severe when that documentation is in place. Um, you know, the other pillars that we discussed, uh, investments, operations, compliance, you know, they, they'll be discussed in more detail on subsequent ep episodes of this podcast, but uh, to touch on them briefly, investment oversight uh, includes such things as reviewing your investment policy statement and making sure that the investment lineup is continuously monitored. Um, operations oversight includes implementation of plan procedures and documentation around such things as choosing service providers and, and the ongoing monitoring of said providers. Um, and then compliance oversight is ensuring that the plan document procedures are being followed properly, that you're uh, conducting plan audits on a regular basis, and that any plan errors that do arise are, are corrected in a timely manner. So overall, I mean, there's a lot of information uh, and ex expectations for fiduciary responsibilities. Um, and we've put a, we, you've mentioned a lot of them here today. Are you able to maybe uh, identify some particular focal points that you think sponsors should focus on now for the rest of this year and into, into 2023? So, you know, nowadays financial wellness is an extremely hot topic today. And for many organizations, um, you know, this, this new generation of workforce is constantly looking for items um, that from their employer beyond simply um, receiving um, their base compensation, which of course is always a high priority, but um, the overall financial wellness is extremely important and, and defined contribution plans can be a good tool for many of the financial issues that today's workforce is currently facing. Um, and so with that, you know, in addition to monitoring your fiduciary responsibilities, um, we think it's also important that you look at your plan overall as part of the total rewards package that you're providing to your employees and making sure you're satisfying uh, the needs of your employees. Um, and any plan decision that's being made that uh, directly impacts the participants, we can't overstate enough how important the proper communication is uh, to provide to employees to, to, to document that decision and to make sure the message is delivered clearly. Um, and also, you know, to, to drive engagement with the employee. We've seen more personalized communications go a long way in accomplishing this goal. Well, Jared, thanks again for your time and expertise today. Um, today's discussion has been very helpful and hopefully members of our audience have learned some, some key concepts for retirement plan oversight. Um, you've shared some excellent viewpoints, examples and suggestions to help plan sponsors implement, implement a sound governance framework to mitigate plan risks and other and avoid potential lawsuits. So our, our next podcast in this DC series will be about designing the optimal investment menu for plan participants, while of course, still leveraging the information you shared with us today 
about following proper fiduciary conduct. Um, thanks again for joining me today, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Rick. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, same to you. Look forward to speaking with you soon.